Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS Kids. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. This week, we welcome Dr. Stuart Baseko to the podcast to talk about the ins and outs of modifying challenging behaviors and how parents can support behavior change in their children. Dr. Paseco began his career at the University of Houston, where he was a tenured professor in the Department of Educational Psychology. He left the world of academia and entered the world of entrepreneurship, where he's developed multiple education tools. His latest venture is an app called Attend Behavior. It's designed to help busy parents bring out their child's best behavior. Dr. Paseco, welcome to the podcast. Hi, uh, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I, I look forward to getting a chance to chat with you a little bit today. I think that uh, as I was describing uh, what you're attempting to do is that I don't know that there's a single non-busy parent out there in the world. So I think <laughs> that probably will affect so many people. <laughs> Good point. Let me, um, I always like to just get a little bit of a background and, and make this a, a little bit more personal, but maybe yeah. you can explain to us is how you got into, I guess, the, the field of behavior, but then why did you make that shift? It's a big step going from academia to entrepreneurship. Yeah, well, you know, it's a good question, Jeff. I uh, started my career, like you said, at the University of Houston. So I'm a child psychologist by training, but I've worked with kids with behavioral issues, challenging behaviors, pretty much my entire career. And um, when I was at the university, I was in a college of education. So, you know, I've always believed that we have a pretty good idea of what works when it comes to improving outcomes and behavior for kids. The challenge to me isn't necessarily coming up with a magical strategy, although that's often kind of what we search for. It's really, how do we get what we know works implemented consistently? Right, so it's all about how do we make implementation easier? Because a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about to parents makes total sense, you know, the idea of reinforcement, things like that. But how do you translate what we know works into strategies and techniques that are practical enough for parents to implement every day around the house? And so that was really kind of what my research focused on. And it was similar in the research I was doing at the university, where I was looking at this issue from the teacher's perspective. And so, um, and as I was going through my research data, looking at all this, it became pretty apparent that really two or three things were, jumped out at me. One is that unfortunately only about 15% of the college educations around the country provide any sort of training in classroom management. So most of the training that teachers got was on the job training. The second thing that I noticed was that all those day-to-day -day activities that bog teachers down were the reasons they struggled implementing behavioral practices in their classroom. So that's when I thought, you know, hey, why not? And this was a long time ago because I'm kind of old. So this was like in the 2000s. But I thought, why not come up with a system kind of like TurboTax for behavior for teachers that would help them identify issues that they're struggling with, strategies they can use, but more importantly, automate the paper and pencil tasks that bogged teachers down. So that was that was you know the idea that led to the development of that software system, and we were pretty successful with it. 
we we had a lot of positive outcomes in terms of improving behavior, reducing out-of-school suspensions, helping special education departments improve the quality of their services. Uh, we worked with most of the school, you know, a lot of the large school districts around the country. Um, and then that company ended up becoming part of another company called Pearson. And while I was at Pearson, which they really focused on assessment a lot and how do you do a good job of identifying different types of issues. I always wanted to do what we had done in the schools and bring something home to parents. You know, so how can we help parents? Because I mean, you know, I'm a parent myself, right? So I happen to spend way too much time in school. So I've been introduced to this stuff. But I think for a large part, you know, parents learn how to manage behavior kind of on the job too. And that was that was really kind of the question that I had that I wanted to kind of dive into. Now, you know what, I admire the fact that you focused your search, your research in the way that you did, because as behavior analysts all too often, and you probably saw this in the research world, is that we start to think these big, big projects, big ideas, controlled studies, yeah. get to the implementation because it becomes too challenging outside yeah. of the research. And I think it is, you hit on two very important factors. It's got to be easy. It's got to have an efficiency component to it. Yeah. And it's got to have immediate value yeah. to the parent in understanding how to interpret this so I can apply it. So I, I think that what you what you did, both for the educational community, because I teachers are I I pour my heart out to teachers because it's sometimes the most challenging job in the world, until you look at the job of a behavior interventionist and a parent and working on these things 24-7, where having these additional tools becomes so important. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this app. I mean, you went to develop it in a parent perspective on how to be able to educate them on everything that you probably spent years and years studying. So yeah. how did you simplify it? How did you make it accessible? Yeah, well, it's a good question. And really, you're right, because there's a lot of different avenues you can go with all of this. And I think the, the thing that I wanted to do first was just go talk to parents. So I one clock conducted a lot of interviews with parents. We collected data from around 900 parents and I asked them a few questions, right? I asked parents, what sort of things do you really struggle with? What sort of, you know, where do you go for help? What types of interventions have you ever tried when it comes to trying to help improve behavior? And the result of that was they tr parents struggle with a lot of different issues, but you know there are things like really trying to keep everyone on track, trying to deal with a common set of behaviors, things like temper tantrums, not following directions, things like that. Uh, parents, you know, really are hungry for strategies and will try a lot of different things. The one thing I asked them was, if you knew another parent who had a child like yours what would you tell that parent that they absolutely have to do? And the one strategy that popped up to the top, a really kind of approach, was behaviorally based parent training. That was the thing that parents said, when I went through parent training, that's kind of when the light bulbs went on for me and I understood my kids a little differently and I really understood how to respond to them differently. The problem was that out of the 900 or so parents that we talked to, only about 30% of them had access to parent training. And this is really kind of a, a classic issue. The data from the CDC says the same sorts of things. Uh, there's actually data that have looked 
in particular at families who have children on the spectrum and only about 25% of them have parent training as an incorporated component of their, their service delivery models. So that's when I thought, wow, this is something that we know from the research literature works, um, but there are challenges in getting access to it. So that's when I thought, okay, I'm gonna hone in on parent training because it's really a set of very specific approaches and skills that we can we can help parents learn how to think about, respond to, and interact with their kids differently. So that was kind of how I decided that I wanted to focus on parent training. Now, you know, really with Attend, there's three components of it. One is getting parents good content. The second is how could we create tools to help build fluency in the skills that we talk about in parent training? And the third was how can we make it easy for parents to communicate with their providers around what types of challenges they're having. But when you were talking about the, the making it easier for the parent to be able to do, to understand, to access, that's the part for me that I think oftentimes we get caught up in. I, yeah. I to my wife all the time, even at our house. And it's yeah. like, Jeff, it's so much easier for you to say what to do. It's so much harder in the moment to do it. Uh, <laughs> Do you find that parents are oftentimes biting off too much and maybe just simplifying into just a few buckets and just knowing concepts is the first step? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think that one of my professors in, in graduate school said to me, he said, you know, psychologists will never use a small word when a big word will do. So, so we tend to kind of, you know, over explain things and and talk about things in kind of esoteric ways and use very jargony concepts and things like that. Uh, so I think we're all kind of guilty of that. And and the, and so being able to kind of explain ideas and concepts in simple ways, like, for example, you know, we talk about the idea that behavior serves a function, right? Behavior serves a function for kids, really kind of for everyone, right? So. And we talk about the different types of function. And, and, and one of the ways that I like to talk about this is to say to parents, really, you know, fundamentally, kids engage in the behaviors they do for one of two reasons, right? Either they're trying to get something they want or get away from something that they don't like. Now, what they may want may vary, but fundamentally, at the end of the day, that's why kids act the way they do. The truth is, right, Jeff, that's the reason we all act the way we do. So I think trying to avoid avoid the term, the jargon stuff, and focus on the very basic concepts we're trying to explain, it helps connect it to people, it helps it connect for people as well. The other thing that was important was um, we ended up partnering with uh, the uh, Ruby Research Group. So the Ruby is a parent training program that's been developed and it's an evidence-based program. It's gone through several clinical trials, it's been designated a program that works. And instead of just us writing a curriculum, we wanted to partner with a group who had done the research. These guys, you know, had spent 10 years or so, they worked hand in hand with parents in developing a curriculum for families who have children on the spectrum that makes sense for them. So I think, you know, a little bit of it was us, you know, our team really, focusing on making sure we're hitting the essential components of it. But second, finding a re really good research partner who is aligned in how we think and how we approach it. 
Yeah, I think that is so important. I think that the fact that you all are able to bridge that gap from what Ruby has done on their curriculum, on their research, and that and and it's time based, so it's it's amount of time they're able to do it, but you can carry the work on. Um, but to go back, when you were talking about building up your content library and yeah. to be able to speak to the family, you actually touched on something that I find very valuable to coach clinicians on. And it's the fact that language is important. Even the term function, right. that might lose right. 10, 20% of parents because they're like, hold on, like, I don't even know function in a child. Like, no, like, it, it doesn't make sense. And the more you get into, well, let me teach you about function, instead of talking about what's going to work for their child, you're yeah. losing buy-in. Um, so can you give some, maybe some examples of, you know, how this change in the way that you have approached talking to parents, hearing parents and implementing it has really impacted them? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a great, great question. You know, I think it, it also kind of comes from, from my experience working in the schools, right? So this is not just, this is an issue that impacts everyone. You know, as you said, we spend so much time you know, in school, explain these concepts, talking about these concepts. It's really, you know, how do we translate that into information that can impact people every day? And I think one of the parents that I worked with, who I liked their comment the most, she said was, you know, like I get all this stuff, I understand it all, but at the end of the day, when I take my kid to Walmart and he has a temper tantrum, I want to know what to do. Right. So that's the kid that I try to keep in my mind and the parent as we go through the development process. Right. As the parent who's got 100 different things they're going to do, they're trying to get through the store real quick. You know, they're just trying to get in and out. Something happens, triggers a meltdown. The kid throws a fit. And how do I help that parent set themselves up for success before they go into Walmart and the child? Right. And so I think I think those are the things that really are most important to me and and I think about you know as I said I have two kids who are, who are older now but when they were younger my friends you know know me forever said you know all that stuff that you talk about right all that behavior stuff you've talked about all the time you go out and do and talks for well do you really think that stuff works now that you have a kid and I said you know I'll tell you what I've learned as a parent today that I didn't have an appreciation for before I have kids. It wasn't about what works and what doesn't work. It's why do parents get overwhelmed and they struggle implementing the things that we do know work? Because now, you know, as a parent who had a kid that was three years old, I get it, right? You don't have time to do all this stuff. And so I think it's a combination, Jeff, of trying to be able to communicate concepts and ideas in bite-sized ways that make sense for people but also taking into consideration all the other competing things that are that people are trying to deal with. And so I think, you know, it's it's always and you probably said the same thing, right? We want to help parents pick your battles, pick the behaviors that you want to focus on, you know, because it seems like our kids do a lot of different issues. But generally, if you can find those issues that keep popping up for you, you address those. A lot of the other issues kind of become less significant right so identify key behaviors don't try to you know don't try to address every single thing that you could possibly address focus on the big ticket items and, uh, and this is what i tell clinicians 
and especially when I was at the university, was identify the issues that your parents are struggling with, not with what you think they should be struggling with. Mm -hmm. Because if you can help them address the challenges that they're having, as opposed to what maybe technically you feel like they should work on, that parent is going to be more of an ally for you. And ultimately, that's what our job is, is to help our parents. So I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's... Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, the secondary wins, too. I mean, you empower a parent on certain skill sets. They're going to start in learning new ways to adapt and creating new skills within themselves. You're not going to tackle all these behaviors over, over the time. They'll start figuring out how to manage it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that sometimes what happens is is that you know, we get focused on kind of the big picture a lot of the time. And we just have to start and in, in, in make sure that we have good fundamentals in place. And so sometimes, you know, the worst thing I think you can do sometimes is, is to go to a parent and say, we well, you know what we're going to do is we're going to collect a lot of data. And once we have that data, we're going to be able to understand what's going on and how to address your issues. And we'll develop a plan from that. You've lost the parent when you say, yeah, I collect data, right? Because at the end of the day, I take my kid to Walmart, he has a meltdown, I don't know what to do. And if you're telling me I'm going to have to wait a month, what's the point in coming and talking to you? Mm -hmm. But what we forget as clinicians is that there's a lot of those things that we take for granted and we think that everyone are doing these things when they're not. And if we can put those practices in place, you know, parents are going to see some immediate relief. Absolutely. And as, as those parents are, are identifying for the clinician, those key priorities, there, those, those problems and, and the, the stick points that are really influencing their lives right now. What are the, I guess, the, the core behaviors that attend behavior maybe will help to focus on? And in, in layman's terms, I already heard you kind of putting it into, saying, you know, meltdowns. Uh, right. I've heard tantrum. I mean, these are things we connect to as parents. That right. are, what are some of the other behaviors that maybe are going to interrupt uh, the daily life? Yeah, well, I, I think that there's really... There are five behaviors that parents tend to struggle struggle with most often, right? We've talked about the big two, temper tantrums and not and not following directions. Those are the, the two behaviors that parents kind of uniformly endorse as the most challenging for them. You know, aggression is always an issue, but it doesn't occur at the high level of frequency that sometimes we think it does. For some kids it does. But you know what what tends to be more problematic from an aggr with aggressive behaviors is mild aggression. You know, the siblings kind of picking at each other, pulling air, things like that, more mild aggressive behaviors. Then you have impulsive and hyperactive responding. You know, that those types of behaviors are next on the list, followed by inattention, issues with inattention. So those five behaviors, when we surveyed parents, those are the ones that parents struggled with the most. Those were the behaviors that Ruby was specifically designed to tackle and have been shown to be very effective for. What's interesting about those five behaviors with, with my last software system, you know, we worked with school districts that were responsible for the education of millions of kids. And the five behaviors that tend to show up on kids' behavior plans in special education were those same five behaviors. Mm -hmm. So those are the behaviors that drive kids to getting referred to special ed. Um, so that's what we wanted to focus on high frequency, you know, the most common behaviors that parents are struggling with. Yeah. Is that 
Absolutely. And I mean, when you, I've talked to so many parents over the years, and when you're talking about the things that hit home, that that they'll bring tears to their eyes as far as they just didn't know how to deal with this situation, you're talking about this because those are the ones that present inherent risk at times and safety and just being able to be a, around in public. And those are the ones that are, are the most valuable. Yeah. And, and I think that I think it's really important that parents know that they're not alone in struggling with those issues because the other biggest stress point that parents talk to me about is, you know, feeling like the other parents don't understand them or they're judging them. So it's really important for parents to understand that the issues that they're struggling with are actually pretty common. We can help them with those behaviors and, and they're not necessarily alone. All these behaviors happen in different, you know, different range of spectrums, right? Um, but we all struggle. I struggle with them, right? For with my kids when I, when they were younger too. Um, so I think it's important for people to know none of us are perfect. You know, we all struggle from time to time. We all can use a little bit of support along the way. And, and that was really our goal with Attend was let's put good practices in the hands of parents so we can help them implement the most common types of things that we know work. The other part of Attend that we spent a lot of time on was we have in the app, you know, we talk about different techniques, like for example, catch them doing good, right? Catch them doing good is a strategy that focuses on positive social, you know, reinforcement basically just kind of catching your kids doing the things you want them to do. Because a lot of times what parents will say is, well, you always, you always are quick to point out the things I do wrong, but you never talk about the things I do right. Catch them doing good is designed to catch them doing the things that they do right so that we encourage those behaviors and we reinforce the kids for those behaviors. All this makes perfect sense on a podcast when I'm maybe driving somewhere or going on a run. But when you're in the moment trying to implement it, that's when things get a little tricky. So, with attend, we talk about the concepts. Then we ask the parents to set up like a practice plan for them. They identify the behavior they want to reinforce. One would be a good time to do it. And then we push out coaching tips through the app, through our notifications. Like, hey, remember, this is a good time to practice catch them doing good. This is what to be on the lookout for. This is what to say when you see it. And our goal with those tools is to help build fluency with it. Uh, and that's important when you're a parent to remember these things may seem pretty straightforward. They're complex in implementing, and it's going to take a little bit of time for you to get used to doing it. And it may feel a little unnatural. That's okay. That's to be expected. That's why we feel the coaching tools, and it's actually one of the most popular components of Attend, are those coaching notifications and reminders. Yeah, you know what? The way that you have described that, and I mean, even when you're looking at uh, bigger intervention plan from a school district or from a clinician. It's, it's following those same routines, but it's putting it into a framework that the parent understands. It's why, okay, why is this happening? What is what is going on that's starting this whole thing? You get the why. And yeah. then you move from that why to say, okay, so what is it that I'm hoping they're gonna be doing during this time instead of that? Like, what is it that I want? And, and you all create that path to get to that personalized plan, which is so important to be able to do. I love the reminders though, yeah. is that you don't always have somebody there as your support. And even a text reminder or a, a little notification on your phone in the app, that does it. It gives you that reminder of, hey, you know what? I can do this. Even if I do it five times, yeah. I did good. 
Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell a story on myself. You know, my kids were in the kitchen arguing about something. Can't remember what, but they were arguing about something and I was getting frustrated. I was trying to do something else. And my notification popped up on my phone because I demo my phone a lot, right? And it said, hey, remember, it's time to catch Lucas doing good. And it just reoriented me to him in that moment. And I looked over and they were doing something and they weren't arguing. And I said, hey, I really like how you guys are working together to do X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. So all need those reminders because life gets in the way of doing things how we want to do things. Yeah, and it's funny is that I think we all want things to stop, but we don't always realize that, no, actually, what we want is something else to be happening during yes. that. We just, I don't want you to stop. I don't want to freeze you. I just want something different. And if you don't give that chance to practice, you don't give that personalized plan, you're leaving it up to the child who had already created yes. this one path to create it on their own, which is probably going to be similar if yep. you're not supporting them to what they used to do, they're not going to deviate completely. They're going to choose instead of screaming, I'm going to throw something at you, maybe. Like, but if we give them ways to interact appropriately and the, the reminders are there, you have chances for success. Absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's absolutely. You know, a lot of times these disruptive, you know, the behaviors and challenging behaviors, they come about because we, we inadvertently reinforce kids sometimes and we don't even realize we're doing it right so you know we don't respond to a kid right away because we have a hundred things going on but when they do throw that fit that's when they get our attention so we've inadvertently you know told them hey if you really want to get my attention throw a fit mm -hmm. and so helping the kids acquire different ways of communicating with you and getting your attention when they want to get your attention is really important and uh uh, so I think that's, you know, I think what you said is is just spot on. But I appreciate the fact that you put so much time and effort to be able to see this from the parental lens is that as, as somebody who's gone through education and really studied it, sometimes it's hard to take that step back and say, okay, now I need to make this digestible. I'm not talking to my colleagues now. I'm talking to everybody. And that's sometimes hard for us to do as clinicians. So I appreciate the fact that you did that. Um, I, I want to give you a little bit of a platform right now to, to talk to families out there because behaviors are hard. Behavior change even harder. We're about to go into the next two months where we potentially, it's, it's like a, a summer sort of environment where you have a little bit of chaos. You're out of school, then you're back in, then you're out again. Longer days, anticipation of holiday. Everything that could compound for behavior to go up is there. Right. What's your encouragement to families during this time period? Well, you know, I think, you know, I think that one of the things that's important during these time periods that are naturally stressful, right, is, is really kind of look at, at the amount of, of stuff you're taking on as a family and as a parent. And I think it's really important that we, we, you know, during the holidays, there's always this pressure to go see everyone and, and to spend time everywhere. And that kind of creates additional stress for folks. So I think making sure as a parent that you're taking care of yourself and managing your own stress level will go a long way to helping you be the best parent you can be for your kids. So I think that's the first thing that I always talk to families about during this time of year, you know, is make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're recognizing when you're getting overloaded so that you can be the parent that you wanna be with your kids. So I think that's the first thing. The other thing that I talk about is that, you know, I think we all have natural parenting styles 
And and I think the parenting styles, you tend to be in one or two camps, right? Some folks tend to be very focused on the relationship they have with their child. And the idea is that the best relation, you know, if I have a great relationship with my kid, that's going to solve all the issues, right? I can, I can really deal with everything if I have a solid connection. And there's a lot of truth to that. The other types of parents feel like, well, if I'm very good about consistency and structure and organization, that's going to set my kids up for success. And so that's when I, I can best serve my kids. And there's a lot of truth to that, right? So these two parenting styles, I talk about them as kind of like a relationship or a law and order approach to parenting. And and sometimes parents who have different styles, they they get in conflict with each other. The thing we got to realize is they're just value both the both approaches, right? And and that we have to kind of recognize that it, we do need to be consistent in how we interact with kids. You know, it's a, it is good to have some general structure and schedules to, and routines to how things are going for kids. Um, it's important also to spend quality time with our kids one-on-one -on -one and, and letting the kids engage in the activities that they want to engage with and not focus on providing instruction in those moments because your goal is to build a genuine connection with your child. And that can be somewhat difficult for some kids, for parents to feel like they had that connection. But what you gotta realize is, is that, you know, our views of what a, a connection might mean are different. Uh, and every kid connects with their parents in different ways, whether or not they express that or it's articulated in the same way, all kids want the same thing. Uh, and I think it's important that, you know, we as parents, really realize that if we use all the tools in the toolbox, that's when we get our best outcomes. And recognizing that your partner may be a law and order approach or maybe a relationship type of approach, it's not that that's wrong or that your approach is different. It's just that you both can bring something unique to the table and, and, and that that's important. So I'm not sure, Jeff, if that's exactly kind of what you're looking for, but well, I think some of the big big ticket ways that I think about this when during this time of year. Yeah, you know, Stuart, the way that you framed that actually makes a lot of sense is that, uh, I mean, you, you started out by really hitting on that piece that I think so many families have talked to me about is parental self-care. Can't yeah. be a great parent unless you care about yourself first. So making sure that's there. But I love the fact that you brought in two other things that I oftentimes don't necessarily hear everybody talking about. One is, is that Parenting styles are styles, but they can be learned. You can learn from one another. You can blend those to create a better way to approach your child and to create a better family environment because that creates consistency because you have parents that have learned from one another on how to be able to engage. Um, but the big piece that I think is probably one that uh, I, I think that I overlook is the fact I think holidays are hard because of lack of uh, consistency and structure. The holidays could provide all of those opportunities to learn from one another, to create shared events, memories, chances for the child to be a leader on certain activities and flexibility, but doing it in a way that you have created a, a structure for success. And maybe parents, what they what they should be doing as part of that self-care is, is investing in something like your app, because the way you're talking to me right now makes sense to me. As a, as a parent to parent, and it takes that clinical mind out of it. So I, I love that. I love that aspect to it. How can people 
get information about a 10 behavior and, and maybe gift to themselves. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you know, the easiest way to, to reach out to us through our website. So if they go to our website, uh, Uh So they can go there, they can watch a little demo of how attend works um, and check it out. We also have some additional support information on the website as well for them. Uh, and we do offer, you know, parents can just go ahead and sign up for a subscription for attend. There's no long-term contracts, anything like that. It's like $35 a month for a subscription. We also, we also do have coaches who can work one-on-one -on -one with parents through the app. Uh, so they can sign up for a coaching plan if they feel like they'd like to have some support along the way. So all of that is accessible through our website, probably the best way to, to reach us. I appreciate that, Dr. Pizzacco. And if your coaches are able to put things into terms the same way that you do, I think that it's going to be so advantageous for every single family out there. But I appreciate you taking the time today to talk with us about these behaviors and to, to put it into perspective of a family viewpoint and taking that, that guidance and putting it into a very digestible system. So I hope clinicians, families, everybody gets out there and takes well, Thanks, Jeff. And I, and I do want to say, you know, part of the reason that attend works so well, a big part of it is because the learning content is based on the Ruby Parent Training Program. And I would, you know, I want to be sure part of the reason that all the things work so well is because these guys have done so much research. They know how to frame things well, what works and what does not connect with people. And so, you know, I think that's that's important to recognize. It's just not me coming up with these things. It's, you know, it's, it's the years of research that went into all of this to know what works. Well, thank you again, and thank you for sharing your time. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting ABS Kids dot com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.